you know the truth is this morning, some of you have been where Haley is. You've buried your children. Those of us who haven't realized and recognized there's nothing more sad in this life than a tiny little coffin. I've been to children's funerals. I've conducted children's funerals, and I'm here to tell you there's nothing normal about them. It almost seems like an abomination of nature when the young go before the old. So I want to take you somewhere this morning. Do you remember when you were a child? When you were physically hurting or when you were emotionally hurting? You ran out and you sought one place. You sought out to crawl up into the lap of, of mom or dad. Because you knew that in mom or dad's lap you could feel their touch of comfort. You could hear their, their words of solace around you. You could be in the presence of the one person who you believed above anybody else could take away your pain. We have a father like that. And the best thing that I can do as a pastor is to lead you to him this morning because my words just simply ring very, very hollow today. These are moments when cliches and bumper sticker sayings just ring hollow. To say things like, well, he's in a better place now, or to say things like, it'll all work out in the end, just doesn't seem to be enough. The Bible says that our response to those who mourn is one, to mourn with them. We don't try to explain the morning. We certainly don't try to fix the morning. Because we are never going to understand evil, friends. Evil is always going to be greater than our feeble, our feeble explanations. And if you try to cope with evil through reasoning and rationale, you're going to find yourself being crushed under the weight of it. So a scripture that comes to mind that I want to lead you to today comes from Paul's introductory words to the church at Corinth from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Here's what he says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So when times of overwhelming grief come into my life, I'm reminded that the best place to go is to worship. It's not sometimes the natural place we go or the first place we go, but scripturally speaking, it's the best place to go. Because time and time again, here's what we see. We see the great men and women of faith, when they're overwhelmed by grief, when they're overwhelmed by pain or life circumstances, or they've got questions and, and, and no answers, or they've got doubts, and their faith is running on load, you know where they run? They run to God, not away from him. 
King David had a baby boy who was teetering between life and death. We read in 2 Samuel 12, 19, David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then, of course, there's the poster child of grief in all of Bible. We know him as Job. Listen to his response to heartache. Another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters are feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am only the one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up. He tore his robe. He shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Why did these men of faith immediately turned to a posture of worship when life's greatest tragedies befell them. Because it's in worship, friends, that we find a, a sense of hope and the peace, the kind and the likes of which we can find nowhere else in this world. It's when we crawl up into the Father's lap and worship that we're reminded of who he is, we're reminded of all he has done, and we're reminded of all that he is doing for those who love him. Worship serves as that kind of repellent against all the lies the enemy in the world wants to bring into our minds whenever tragedy befalls us. So let me remind you of Paul's words in Romans 11, verse 33, because I know there's a lot of questions. Sometimes fists are raised or Doubts are expressed or God is accused during times of tragedy. But let me remind you of Paul's words, Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. It seems that we as human beings, we want a God who is big enough and large enough to do the impossible but we want a God who's small enough to understand him and explain him. 
And I don't think you can have it both ways. So what I'm saying this morning is that when it comes to the sovereignty of God, of, of God moving and acting in ways that we don't understand, when it comes to that, we don't need more understanding. We need more faith. When it comes to the reign of God, even when it looks like all hell is breaking loose in this world, we don't need to defend Him. We don't need to make excuses for Him. We need to worship Him. God reigns over the very worst that evil can do. He proved that on the cross. The greatest act of evil this world has ever seen happened on a Friday. And God took hell's best shot. And his throne did not wobble one inch. The cross of all things shows us that God can take something so heinous, something so evil, and he can turn it into something good. You know what else the cross shows us? That God understands the pain of evil because he's been a victim of it. So as members of this evil world, we remember the words of Peter who said, the grace of God is with you no matter what happens. So we lament and we mourn and we cry tears over what happened in Dakota and millions of people throughout history who've died at the hands of evil men. But as Paul says, we do not grieve like those who have no hope. Because our God takes things like a bloody cross and a burial tomb and he flips the script and he turns them into sources of hope and joy and life. So I want to read to you a text this morning. It's a text from the Old Testament, one of my favorite texts. Because it's the prophet Isaiah's vision of the future of what God is about, what God is going to do, what God is preparing. And Isaiah uses the imagery of a mountain here because oftentimes in Scripture, a mountain is symbolic of where God dwells. Isaiah 25, 6. On this mountain... The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. In other words, God's preparing this place of peace and this place of rest, this place of tranquility and, and celebration, this place of plenty and enjoyment. On this mountain... He will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all the nations. What's this shroud that enfolds all of us? What's this sheet that covers all of humanity? Well, here's the answer, verse 8. He will swallow up death forever. 
The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove His people's disgrace from the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in Him. And He saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in Him. Let us rejoice and be glad in His salvation. There's a feast that's coming. And each week we get together as God's people. And we eat bread and we drink wine in anticipation of that one true fact. The God we know, the God we love, the God we serve, the God we proclaim, the God we lay our lives down will vanquish evil. And our living God will conquer death once and for all. So right now we're just going to have a time of prayer. And during that time you can have the elements whenever you so choose. You've got them in front of you this morning. But I want you to remember something this morning, folks. Just as God was in complete control over everything that happened to Jesus, he's always one step ahead of evil. He's always working mysteriously in the background in ways that we don't see, but he always proves himself to be faithful and true. And this is the God that we point you to today. So I'm going to ask right now that you would just bow with me and we pray, and you can have your time with the Lord as you eat and drink in anticipation of the Isaiah 25 moment or the Revelation 21 moment that Tyler talked about this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you admitting that we don't understand your ways. And Lord, we thank you that we don't because you would be too small of a God to worship if we did. We come before you, Lord, acknowledging that you are good, that you are in control. You don't need anyone to come to your defense. You don't need anyone to explain you. You simply need your people to follow you. So, Lord, help us to live by faith. Help us to continue to come to places of worship, to sing your praises when we don't understand, to go against all those natural inclinations in us, and to do as David did, to do as Job did, and to be able to have the courage and the confidence and the faith and to say, the Lord gives And the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Thank you, Father, for the healing and the hope that you provide in a bloody cross and an empty tomb for the story that you're still unfolding for all humanity. Heal our hearts that are hurting, Father.
we come to you as the one source of comfort that we know can do this. We pray this in the name of our Savior. Amen.